Hello there, welcome to the Beercast. Silence. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Richard, welcome uh, on board another beer podcast based in uh, Edinburgh. Uh, with me today is Shovels, who is right on cue there with his hellos. Yeah. There he is. Timing's everything. Um, we're also joined once again by Blair. Hello, everybody. For his second and last Beercast. Last? Yeah, Did you not know? Uh, next week. Larry's leaving us. Leaving on a jet plane? Yes. I am. Going back home? I am. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's sad. Well, it's happy and sad. I'm leaving Edinburgh, but I'm going back to Delaware. Good old Delaware. Delaware. Yeah. The beach for the summer. As we know, there's so, so, beer. so many things in Delaware to see. <laughs> <laughs> you can see them all in a week. <laughs> Is that a permanent move then? It's a permanent move to the States. Right. Yeah. What happens then? We'll see. Yeah. Well, yes, so it's a, <laughs> you, you blazed a short trail on the bit. <laughs> yeah. You know, the candle that burns twice as bright, etc. etc. Anyway, uh, today, while Shovels opens our first beer, we're doing a brewery showcase. Uh, we thought we'd see Blair off with a very British brewer, Ooh, very fizzy, micro brewer, pub owner, and blogger. And this is the Hard Knot Brewery Showcase. So, we've got four of his beers. I bought these when I was in London uh, in February or March. So, they've been Sitting in my cupboard for a few months, they should be fizzing uh, away. That is carbonated. Uh, and this is Dark Energy. We've got four beers, we're going up in order of ABV. This is the uh, 4.9 one, so we're going to start with this one. It's a dark one, but it's a low one. It so, uh, almost looks like Coke, I mean, with the, the yeah, It doesn't like Coke, yeah. That's not just my pouring, it is a vigorous, uh, yeah. vigorous head. Good inch of head there. Mm. Uh, it's very dark. So let's have, let's have a sniff for uh, Dark Energy. Don't know what I'm getting there. What's that nose twitch? There's all kinds of funky stuff on the bottles, so I'm sure shovels are coming to his own later. To <laughs> reading out With my reading. Reading skills. Uh, we were talking off air before, myself and Blair, we've had one of uh, Hard Knot beers before uh, a tasting we were at last week. In fact, we've actually got that beer again next. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it compares to how it was last time. Um, but I, I've never had any of, any of uh, the Hard Knot beers. If one, really interesting in the nose. Mm. Dark, fruity, spicy, bitter. It's a bit spicy, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, it, it doesn't smell like a usual stout. There's something in uh, there. That's... I mean, I want to say, uh, I mean, along with your chocolate, maybe even some fruit, but I'm, I'm thinking bramble, something. Uh, oh, yeah. Brambles, or as we call them, blackberries. Oh, now I know what I mean. Yes. I think... No, I call them brambles. We've had this discussion before, mm. haven't we, about Lancashire, East West, bram- we have. brambles and blackberries. So when you say brambles, do you mean the berries? Because I'm thinking the... Um, like... Uh, you eat the bush? Yeah, <laughs> the, the dried... Uh, Pardon the expression. Yeah, the dried... Uh, not vines, but yeah, uh, you know... I'm not. It, it really helped being only a um, an audio program if I could actually speak. Um, Don't worry, everybody else is doing a dance while you're doing this. <laughs> not like bark, but something dry and uh, okay, kind of like woody, but not yeah tree wood, kind of like yeah a bit. Um, you mean like potpourri? <laughs> 
There's a bit of something in there that smells like potpourri, but... Um, hmm. Anyway, what do we know about Hard Knock? Hard Knock were uh, started up by uh, Michael Dave Bailey, who began in December 2005. Uh, he owned a pub called The Woolpack Inn, uh, which is in a place called Boot in Cumbria. Uh, and he... It was his father, actually, that suggested that to get in the good pub guide, they should think about brewing their own beer to give them a little boost. And he, he would hummed and hawed about it, but eventually he had a go, and it was so tremendously popular that uh, he never looked back. Um, that was Christmas Eve 2005 when they did their first brew. Hmm. Uh, and eventually that became so successful that they uh, sold the pub and uh, became brewers full-time. Uh, Dave and his partner Anne, they now brew in an industrial estate in Millham, which is uh, still in Cumbria, but nearer to the, the sea. Uh, they've got a, well, in, in 2010, they had a 10-barrel 10, 10 plant. Uh, they called the Hard Knot Brewery because the pub in Boot is situated at the foot of Hard Knot Pass. And that is all my knowledge of Hard Knot, so. Really? Yep. From now on, we'll be drinking. <laughs> uh, Nothing but drink and nonsense. Yeah, they, they started off um, just, just brewing for the pub and it was just kind of experimental. They were learning as they went along. But since they've moved and become brewers full-time, they've rebranded all their beers. They, they all have very distinctive labels. Um, uh, as you'll see, if you're listening to this on a video iPod, you can, you'll be able to see the photos of the beers as they come up. Uh, this has Galena and Willamette hops. Mm. And a bit of a dry prune taste to it. Mm. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It's a bit fruity. To be honest, I'm not sure I'm liking this. Really? It's, it's okay, it's just not pushing my button. It's pretty sour in the aftertaste. Mm. Not like a not like a sour sour beer, but it's got that little kind of Belgian y touch to it. Yeah, a bit of tartness in there. But, uh, I don't I'm assuming there's yeast in there somewhere in the bottle, but um Yeah. That may have that may have come out. No, I, I poured very, very carefully. I've left oh, quite, a, quite a bit. Not you. I'm not. <laughs> you question my pouring ability. <laughs> never, never. And rightly so. What colour is this? Dark brown. Dark brown. Dark brown. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's very carbonated. It came frothed up immensely when we opened it, and it's now gone very flat. You've still got some head on it. Yeah, the head's gone rough out. But it's very carbonated when you drink it. It's got that kind of fizzy yeah. thing. Fizzy thing. <laughs> fizzy thing, there you go. Bubbles, that's it. It's the insightful analysis that you tune in for on the podcast. It does have a bit of a thin body mm. as well. Is it Shovel's reading time? Dictionary corner, here we go. The universe doesn't add up. Physicists have decreed that they have not found enough matter nor energy to account for everything. The answers lie in dark matter and dark energy. Yeah. Despite trying very hard, no one has ever found any, possibly because they are so dark, darker than a gal black, black galactic mongoose in a coal shed. A black galactic mongoose? Yeah, I'm not surprised you stumbled over that. Yeah. <laughs> a tongue twister, that one. Yeah. I was reading the paper today, they're naming two new elements. Did you read uh, that? No. They're having a competition to find the names oh, of these yeah. two elements. Uh, they found elements. We haven't found them. They made they, them yeah. by crashing oh. atoms oh. against each other in somewhere in Russia, north of Moscow. Right. So they're they're wondering what they should call it, and they're, they're going to sometimes they name them after scientists, and sometimes they name them after places where they were from. So 
They're still not sure. They've got temporary names. It would help if I knew what they were called at this point. But. SpongeBob and SquarePants. I thought they were, thought they na- they were named... Uh, was it? One oh... It's 114 and 115? 114 and 116. Because... Who said be a geek to a aren't actually elements because they haven't been officially verified yet or something. Yeah. Weird. There's a lot more... Yeah, it's like, wow, my science is really rusty. Mm-hmm. So what do these elements do? And special properties? I don't need to do anything. It's these things are only around for a millionth of a second because... What's the point? It's not like an element you can see. You couldn't scratch a window with it. That's, you know, that's <laughs> it's the, it exists for a millionth of a second. I, I, I'm paraphrasing. These, these ones that they make, yeah, they only... They Even only, if it's 20 minutes, it has limited <clears> use. Yeah, yeah, they only exist in laboratories. Uh, theoretical kind of physicists making, making things happen by... I don't know whether I agree with that. Yeah, I'm with you there. If you can't make it stick, then what's the point? Mm-hmm. Unless it can have a use for that millionth of a second. Otherwise, it's just because you can. Yeah. Well, you climb Everest because you can, don't you? Yeah. But that's... At least you can... I don't know. It doesn't... It seems like... Uh, no, all of my arguments there are falling flat. <laughs> You don't see that on Newsnight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, you're right. Just going to leave. See you later. Um, the only rule for naming elements is it has to end in eum. Really? Yeah. I-U-M. Mm. You should call it citra eum, because everything else is being called citra now. Yeah. Definitely the hop of the moment. Hopium? Hopium. Mm. Yeah. We, should, we should sponsor it. It would be a castium. That would be... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. If only our podcast lasted for fractions of a second, then <laughs> <laughs> we would have more listeners. <laughs> Maybe we would. Oh, okay, let's let's have uh, some scores and score some. Up, uh, I don't know whether I can sum up this. So let's roll with you. Mick out in a coal shed. I think out of ten, I could go with um, six, maybe six and a half. Okay. Any particular reason or the understatement? I mean, I could probably be talked into seven. I like I like a lot about it. Uh, I like the way it smells. Uh, I like a lot of the taste. It's unique. It's interesting, but uh, it's lacking some of the things I'm looking for in a stout, Um, uh, especially um, body. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) body and a bit uh, bit more the kind of burnt chocolate uh, flavor, which is in the background of this certainly, but there's. Mm-hmm. Something that we haven't been able to place, I think, uh, running around in here. Yeah, I do get chocolate. It tastes like a Belgian stuff. You had those yeah. kind of Belgian mm-hmm. ones that they, mm-hmm. they're as weak as this body yeah. wise, but, but this one's only 4.9. Those yeah. are like 8 or 9%. Well, 7 or 8%. Uh, six and a half? I think so. <laughs> You're negotiating with him. No, six and a half. <laughs> he named, make, it, make it seven. He named three numbers, so uh, <laughs> oh, right. pick, the pick the middle one. one. <laughs> okay. Uh, shovels? Um, yeah, I was going to mention the Belgian-ness about it as well. Um, but you don't like Belgian beer? I don't. Famously. I know. No, no, Blair, don't hit him. It's all right. I just, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of the... I think it's the yeast or like the candy sugar or something that's put in. Okay. Um, it's the taste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of the taste. <laughs> um, I don't know how to sum up this beer. Dried prunes, a little bit of smoke... Sour aftertaste, five. It's a tough one to score, isn't it? Because it's um, 
<laughs> it's got a lot of good qualities, but there are some unusual qualities, shall we say. Uh, so I'm going to give that a six and a half as well. Uh, I agree totally with what Blair said. It does it does taste like a, a stout at first, and then it just disappears because the, the body goes and it gets a bit kind of sour at the end, which is kind of it's interesting. Um, and I would drink that again, but uh, totally. not too many of them, I don't think. Would you have a whole bottle? Uh, I think I probably would. Yeah, yeah. Why not? I'd kind of dig your night. I think maybe. Yeah. The, the way my mouth feels right now, I mean, a mm -hmm. bottle of this would. And so, yeah. Stick with you. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, that was Hard Knots Dark Energy, 4.9%. Uh, when you come back, we're going to have a big one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bring on the dancing girls! Hooray! I meant a big beer. All right, okay. Big beer. All right. We won't actually see you soon. Well, unless you want to come around. Okay, uh, welcome back to the Beercast. This is our Hard Knots... What? You're like, okay, uh, okay. we're going uh, back uh, to, uh, to French or Italian. Talent. Yeah, bienvenue. Hey, welcome. Bonsoir, bonjour, bonbon. Hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> New songs infrared. Right, this is our second uh, hard knot beer. I keep wanting to say hardcore, but I'm, I'm going to say that at some point tonight. But this is hard knot. It's hard knot infrared. Now, myself and my American chum have had this before. I'll pour myself more then. Uh, we had this at one of Craig... Garvey's legendary tastings not last week. It was last week, wasn't it? Was I think. Yeah. It was the first part of Blair's two-part leaving podcast. Uh, no, not podcast tasting. Uh, and to be honest, I found it a little odd. I've got to say, but this is. Uh, we'll see how this bottle is. This is infrared. It's a six point five percent red IPA. That was Paul putting the beer bottle under the microphone. Apologies to those of you that. Uh, hmm. Now this one's got lots of C's in it, so uh, let's have a niff, uh, sniff. <laughs> Did you say lots of C's? Lots of C's, yes. Cascade oh. and Centennial. Yep. Gotcha. Crystal malt. I like the colour. Kind of a nice tizer colour. Oh, I see. See, I was straight in with the taste there because I wanted to see whether it was different to the one that we had at Craig's, and it is. It's much different. Remember the one we had okay. at Craig's? It was kind of sour and kind of strange. Yes. This this is not. Okay. So no. I wouldn't call this sour or strange. Good. Yeah. <laughs> you, you seem quite enthused or energetic about that. Yes. Yes. Um, the one we tried on on June, uh, ruby color, clear, no bubbles. Said a certain uh, rater. Fro frothy head smells great. Smells like a Belgian sour. Uh, very tart with perhaps the faintest dry grassy hops. Thin body. I don't think it's supposed to take like, taste like this. Who said that? Mr. B. Bogus. Mr. B. B. Well, blessed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and uh, he, he was absolutely right. Uh, it, it did taste very sour and faintly Belgian. Actually, kind of like the first one did. That's true. And they just put the wrong point. label on. Is there a brewing... We talk to our resident home brewer. Well, I'm not sure whether I'm experienced enough to be able to tell you what produces a sour taste. Is there a reason something happened in the in the pro not that we're saying something's happened in the process of making this, but it could, uh, they could have. I mean, uh, sour is one of the off flavors, apart from when it's deliberate. Is it due to conditioning or something? Yeah, how do you tell the difference between deliberate sour and bad sour? You call it Belgian. It's marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and I can't, to be honest, I just can't, I can't remember what causes sour flavours, so I'm, I'm not going to embarrass myself by guessing I'm afraid. But I'm so pleased this one doesn't taste like that. This is really nice. It is. I'm liking this a lot. 
Yeah, Cascade and Centennial with a strong crystal malt backbone. We talked about uh, before that um, Dave ran a pub, run a, did run a pub. So, I mean, we've, we've had lots of brewers on the beer cast who started off home brewing and then gone into commercial production on whatever small scale, from uh, Robert Knopps to um, the Dogfish Head and the Goose Island guys. Everybody does. Rogue as well. I think they they started off as homebrewers. Sierra Nevada, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Uh, but Dave did it slightly differently in that he started owning a pub and then he went into brewing from there, brewing for his pub and then into larger scale brewing. It's, it's an interesting way to get in mm-hmm. to the, the whole brewing. I don't know whether he thought, right, I'm, I'm selling these beers and they're all kind of rubbish. I can do better myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked before about how he, he did it to uh, get, uh, get the pub a little bit of a leg up. I don't know why, why more pub owners, publicans don't kind of try and have a go at their own. Because they have the premises a lot of sure. them. Um, Dave did it in a, an old outbuildings at the back of his pub. Um, and it's a great selling point to say, you know, this beer you're drinking was brewed here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it takes, it's not just something you can pick up and do, is it? I mean, no, you've got to, obviously, you've got to know what you're doing. You've got to be, have the time to be able to do it. Like brew, a brew day is like all day. So. I suppose you can't combine that with running a pub. No, you need to have somebody else to be able to do that for you. Mm. Unless you just did it on a Monday when you, if that's your slow day and closed. But then you've got to, you're kind of at the mercy of the beer. You can't always guarantee it's going to be ready for the next stage Mm. on a Monday. But he seems to be a very experimental brewer. He has that kind of attitude. Because we we went down to a York meeting of British beer writers and Twitterers. And we met we met Dave and his partner Anne, and she was giving us samples of Aether, Aether Blake, their um, really really enormous beer that they, they age in different whisky casks. Mm. So we tried two versions that we aged in different whisky casks, and they were they were really good. Mm. Yeah, really tasty. Good. Yeah, they were nice. So it's good to have uh, some experimentation as well. He's, he's, sure. You know, he started off brewing session beer for the regulars, and then I guess you get to a point where you think, man, you know, this is good. But yeah, exactly. What else yeah. could we do? So you, you found infrared, is it different to how you remembered it at, uh, at Craig's? He says, frantically taking a drink. <laughs> <laughs> this is my first sip. <laughs> I get caught up smelling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually tastes a lot more like an IPA and a lot less like a sour. Mm. Mm. You want know, to tackle the label this time? I don't know. One thing to tackle is the price. Five pounds thirty. Get out. Yep. Really? Yep. The first one was two pounds something. That's five. This is five thirty. Because it's uh, what six and a half percent. But uh, it's a, a bit malt. steep. A lot it of is. malt in there. Imagine quite a lot of hops. But five pounds thirty. I mean, Uto beer it's is on a small scale, isn't oh, it? Oh yeah, no, it's not. Well, I'm not blaming him. But Uto beer is in in Borough Market is a great beer shop, but they are they are pricey for what you get. Yeah. I do. Um, I mean. When I go down to London, I try and visit um, Evan at the Colonel Brewery and get beers from him for three pounds for a three thirty mil bottle. Mm-hmm. And I got one of his beers bought for me by Mister B, who's away on holiday at the moment in the Breedog Bar, and mm-hmm. it was twelve pounds. Gracious! Mm-hmm. That was the Imperial Brown. That's a bit of markup. It's a little bit of a markup, yeah, totally. Um, I, I, to be fair, I don't know what they sell that for in other beer shops. Mm-hmm. Um, three pounds is direct from Evan. Sure. Was it the Imperial Brown that you got? Yeah. For three pounds. 
Uh, not from him, no, but I know he sells beers that are that strong at that price. Really? Right. Yeah. Okay. We well, did. Mm -hmm. You might change. Right then, the label. Here we go. Label time. This is this is our chance to drink. Let's go. Yeah, go for it. Cheers. Yeah. Um, this IPA is not particularly pale. In fact, it's a deep ruby red. No, it's not. That's not deep ruby red. It's a Ribena red, isn't it? It's a very weak Ribena red. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You put too much water in it, the noise it ties it. As I said before, um, based on a modern American style beer from Oregon using Cascade and Centennial hops, as we've mentioned, in appropriate proportion, proportions. Um, the use of bittering aroma and dry hopping balance with a strong crystal mottled backbone. You've been to Oregon, Blair? I have not, but that's a yet. I'm going. Yet. Oh, yeah. My yet. pilgrimage after Colorado. Colorado? Yeah. Oregon, not that close to Delaware. Not at all. No. In my knowledge of American geography is any good. That's pretty easy, yeah. <laughs> I did geography A-level and I went to college with someone in my class who was also doing geography A-level and he thought that the Mississippi River went along the border with America and Canada yeah. <laughs> and then turned 90 degrees and went down through the middle of America from the top to the bottom. <laughs> That's what he thought. Well, really? Yep. Who told him that? A levels. I don't know. I don't know where he got it from, but uh, he didn't do very well. In the mm -hmm. yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, so going to go to Colorado first. That's the first stop. When I started drinking uh, craft beer, I lived in Illinois, so most of it was in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And uh, so saw the movie Sideways mm -hmm. and got in my head, I'm going to do a sideways trip through Colorado. <laughs> nice. Perfect. Yeah. So who are the brewers to watch out for in Colorado? We've got... Um, uh, Avery's the big one. Uh... It's my second favorite brewery. Well, it was before I broadened my horizons, mm -hmm. but uh, they do really big uh, stouts and uh, some barley wines. Um, Odell? No, they're, um, are they Colorado? Yeah, yeah, I think that they are, and I didn't know about them until I came over here. Um, they're really uh, under the radar, I guess. Um, trying to think who else is over there. Um, I'm staring at my bottle magnets, uh, <laughs> wall display to... Uh, I can't see any there. There are a few Colorado. Uh, yeah. Left hands in Colorado. Left hand. I really like that one. Good, yeah. um, Flying Dog used to be in Colorado. Another in Maryland, though. All right. Ooh. Colorado has the second most uh, beer produced of any state, so there's no shortage. Cool. And on your sideways trip, who's going to be your, your sidekick? Uh, I've got a couple. There might even be five of us. Wow. <laughs> um, are they all beer fans? Are you going to be... Um, yeah. Uh, it was going to be me and a friend of mine, uh, Sean. And um, then, uh, you know, since I've been over here, uh, a friend of ours who just always liked wine got into beer. Mm -hmm. Now he's coming. And uh, one or two other guys that have... Uh, he's making all kinds of beer friends while I'm gone. I'm kind of scared he's <laughs> replacing me. So... <laughs> All right, let's um, let's have a little sum up and some scores for Hard Not Infrared. Uh, in the break, in the last break, I, I looked up the correct names for those two elements. So if you're playing along at home, we can do that on the next. It's actually quite a good topic to talk about because these beers are all branded as if they're kind of um, slightly, slightly physics-y and science-y. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Blair, you, want, are you ready to go first? Sure. Um, Les writing his stuff down. He actually suggested bringing his laptop. That's what we do when we go to tastings. But I, I banned him <laughs> because the clacking of the keys would uh, distract our listenership. 
from our old <laughs> dulcet tones of our voices. Iron fist. No. Um, I'm gonna have to go ahead and say I'll give this a seven. I'm gonna go with seven. Oof. <laughs> it, was, it was nearly a half there, yeah, as you tell. It really was. Oof. Agonizing. Any particular reason, or? Um, I don't know. We'll have to see what the next two beers uh, do. I might think about bumping that dark energy back to a six instead of six and a half, because this is, I think, yep. considerably better than that is. Yep. Um, and maybe I should go for the seven and a half. We'll see. We're doing the roundup at the end. Uh, can be done. Yes, goes, can be done. But, uh, I mean, I like this. Um, uh, it's got uh, great um, bitterness, and it's bitter, and there's lots of bitterness in it. Um, but uh, I think it's uh, picking up bitterness. a little bit of bitterness. I, th- I think uh, um, a little bit more would be nice. You know, maybe some uh, a little bit uh, yep. floral, or maybe some you know uh, more citrus in there. As okay. it is, it's just kind of drying and bitter. Mm-hmm. I suppose it's a red ale, though. I mean, these reds are always it's true. Kind of, you think yeah. like five AM Saint or something like that. Yeah. It's just wallops you one after the other with the punch. But yeah, no, I, I take that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's great. I really like that, and partly because the last bottle I had, I didn't like that much. This this is so so much better. Um, so I'm gonna give that an eight. Wow, I really like that. Really like that. And it's what was it five, six point five? So it's it's not sessionable, but a couple of those of an evening would be very pleasant. Yeah, um, I kind of I'm leaning more towards Blair. It's not just the way I'm sitting. <laughs> hey. Um, but yeah, that's it's... a surprise for the end of the podcast. <laughs> no one leaves empty-handed for the biggest. All right. <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's very bitter, and you can it, you can taste the hops going through. Um, but I think there is there are better beers out there of this kind of style. So just a seven for me. All right, absolutely fine. Okay, that was our second beer. That's uh, hard not infrared. Uh, when you come back, we're going up in alcohol again. Ooh. Yeah. We won't actually see you soon. Well, unless you want to come round. Uh, hello, welcome back. This is our third Hard Not Beer. I've got opening duties to do. Yeah, you do indeed. And this is, you, you can pronounce it too if you wish. It's, uh, is it cuboid? Cuboid, yes. I don't know, what's cuboid, isn't it? It looks like cuboid. You should look that up. Does that mean something? What's the... It may do. I'm sure it's on the bottle. Oh, okay. uh, the only thing I know about this one is that it's a double IPA and it's 8%, Belgian style. Uh, as we found out in the break, it costs less than the infrared, which I find kind of strange. It's only £4.20 a bottle. Maybe it uses less hops. Maybe it uses less hops. Or chance. less green. Yeah, but hops wouldn't... I mean, less hops... Is but, that going to be a you know a pound a bottle difference? That's, yeah. that's still a bit excessive. That's a double IPA, you should have more. Should not. Anyways, double IPAs. 8% for a double IPA. Where do double IPAs start and single IPAs finish? It's like we were discussing this only moments ago. <laughs> uh, well, Blake, you take it. You're the American. You know more oh, about man. double IPAs than me. Well, a minute ago I said that uh, I don't think you could have a double IPA less than 7%, but then uh, Shovel said you can find some regular IPAs almost at that strength. So Yeah. Beginning to rethink my position there. Where does a double IPA start and a single IPA fi- finish? 
Maybe there's a definition somewhere for a double IPA. That's almost philosophical. There is. Which which would also bring up uh, the idea of sessionability um, and, uh, you know, the idea of being able to session a, you know, six and a half percent, you know, American IPA just because, you know, extremophiles have been doing this for so long yeah. that, you know, what used to be sessionable or what we think about as, as sessionable here is completely different. Mm. Uh, the well, beer advocate says the range should be between seven and fourteen percent. Uh, take an IPA and feed it steroids. Open to the same interpretation as its sister styles, you should expect more robust, multi-alcoholic, and with a hot profile that might rip your tongue out. I'd love to try fourteen percent double IPA. <laughs> Let me have a look down the list. You've got well, one hundred twenty minute. That's eighteen percent. Okay, fair enough. Which is gorgeous. Uh, Founders Devil Dancer twelve. There aren't many that are over... Double over dog. Double dog, yeah. Oh, it's double dog. Uh, but I'm just looking at ABV. Plenty of the... Oh, Dark Horse Double Crooked Tree IPA, 13.6. Yeah, Plenty of the Elder was 12, wasn't it? Yep. I uh, would never have called that a double IPA, though. The majority of them in this list are high nines. Yeah. Just in double figures, really. Uh, but there's lots of them. Lots and lots and lots. I wouldn't necessarily think of this as a double IPA. Actually, I should pick it up now. Yeah, I haven't smelled it. Wow. And I wouldn't think of this as Belgian style either. Oh, is it? Oh, Which probably means double. I like it. Ooh. It's nice. Seven. Goodness me. Hmm. It's an interesting beer, this one. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, I can deal with a Belgian style. How about a hoppy Belgian style? Mm-hmm. Um, Is that this time? <laughs> Is this yeah, the I think I can. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just try, try it once. The thing is, what I really don't like is when they try to do a Belgian beer and put hops in it. Mm. I don't mind like Belgian yeast in a hoppy beer. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, when you pick up like a, a hoppy Saison, when they call it a Saison, they'd add a lot of hops. Or when they call it like a Belgian triple. Yeah. And they put a lot of hops in it. Well, you know, much rather have a triple. Yeah. Uh, Wikipedia says to add to the confusion, American regular IPAs long had an ABV of over 7.5%. There are some brewers who believe the name should be San Diego Pale Ale rather than Double IPA, since the style most likely started near San Diego, brewed by Vinnie Killerzo, head brewer of Blind Pig Brewing Company of Temecula, California. Mm-hmm. who's now a brewmaster at Russian River. He claims he accidentally created this style by adding 50% too much malt to his mash tun. He then corrected this mistake by adding 100% more hops. <laughs> <laughs> Although this is up for debate, as someone uh, said, that didn't actually happen. Mm-hmm. I like to believe it. That's a good story. Yeah. Yeah. Great story. Uh, yeah, others attribute it to Rogue, who created uh, I2PA beer in 1990. So as with most of these things, it's lost in the mists of time. Yep. I haven't actually tasted this yet. Doesn't smell of a great deal. Doesn't taste too Belgian, but maybe that's just me. Mm. Oh my goodness. Very sweet. Which you'd expect. Yeah. Um, not colossally hoppy for 8% for a double, but maybe that's the Belgian thing. 
they tend to trade off sweetness for hops, mm -hmm. hops for sweetness in Belgian, strong Belgian. I wouldn't pick this at eight percent though. No, no, at all. No, no, no. I mean, the Belgian, the the the, the Belgian yeastiness is there is you know pretty mild. The, the hops aren't aggressive. The eight percent is hidden. I think it's pretty, yeah, even keeled beer. Hmm. I, I can't really, I really can't taste the Belgian. He's <laughs> been crushed up <laughs> and fed into this beer. It just tastes, it just tastes randomly sweet. Um, I mean, mind you, the hops come on. The more you, the more you have, you get that kind of hop. It's very dry at the end. You get that kind of hop presence. Uh, does it say why it's called cuboid? Cuboid is not square. It contains solid geometry encased in its hex face faceted flavor profile and coordinated with its parallel piped direction makes for a right angled and perpendicular drinking experience. Uh, a no would have sufficed. Yeah, no, sorry, sorry, no. In summary, no. It says pale malts face off against a balance with darker green. Okay. I don't really see the darker green in this. It's, it's a nice kind of... pale. Yeah, it's a kind of... What do you say that is? Amber? Yeah, it's really pale. Yeah. There can't be that many darker greens in there unless they just aren't lending any colour, which I would find surprising. Citrus hops tangent with juicy berry notes and a vertex of spiritual alcohol, um, which is redirected by the Belgian fruity <coughs> yeast node. It's a bit yeasty, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it just it just goes sweet dry. I mean, it's quite really sweet at first with with the alcohol, and then it dries out when the hops come on at the end. But I, I do like it, but I thought I'd like it more. I think it's also strange. It's sold. I mean, again, all these beers are in these five hundred ml bottles, which I quite like the design of the labels, but. You'd expect this one to come in like a Belgian-style little stumpy bottle mm. which, with like a big, thick slug of yeast in the bottom. Yeah, but I'm, I don't like it when a brewer does that, when they change up their their look. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like being able to look at something like Kernel. I mean, it's minimalist, and you look at it, and you know that's Kernel from yeah. across the room, you mm -hmm. know? It's consistency. Yeah. Mm. Um, they have a there's, a... there's a certain consistency to their labeling. Yep. Um... Uh, we were talking about elements before, and again, it leads nicely into the kind of sciencey theme for these beers. Uh, but you were correct, one hundred fourteen and one hundred sixteen. You know, I've only been wrong twice this year. And when was that? Well, and one of them was I just thought I was wrong. <laughs> hey. it was one when you agreed to come on the beer cast? Was <laughs> 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 that one? Uh, the, they have placeholder names, which are temporary names. One one hundred fourteen is called Ununquadium. That's terrible. Yeah, and 116 is ununhexium. Do we know how long they last for? Yes, uh, scientists make them in a lab by bombarding radioactive plutonium or curium with calcium nuclei atoms. Calcium nuclei, as you know, Charles, are the heaviest ever Absolutely. to exist. They live for a fraction of a second before undergoing radioactive decay. The only way to even know these elements existed is by studying that decay Measuring the time intervals between each step in the decay process. So they exist for fractions of a second. Hmm. So no, you can't scratch your window with it. 
Yes. Unless you fire it through a window. Yeah. Uh, the suggestions for naming these elements are flerovium, named after the Soviet physicist Georgi Flerov, and Moscovium, after the Russian capital. Those are the two favourites. Yeah, I guess it should be something Russian. Yeah, why not? Or Kremlinium or something. Uh, okay, shall we uh, do some scores? Uh, do it. You guys are almost finished. We've got another one to come, so we'll. Do we? Uh, we do. Oof, and it's going up in percentage. We are going up in percentage. That's Bloody correct. Hell. Uh, so Blair, are you, uh, he's looking over his little bit of paper. There. Not written many notes. Yeah. Not written many notes. We can come back to you if you want to think. Um, well, I'm. Um, it's just these are just notes. I'm, I'm happy to say I think seven and a half for this one. You ready? Um. I like it, but. <clears throat> I mean, you, da- you you dashed out a. What you give the infrared an eight, or mm-hmm. you give it an eight? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm holding a holding a uh, a number or two uh, in reserve for the next one. She was sure me it's going to be really great, um, and the chances of going over a nine for any beer for me is pretty slim. So I think seven and a half is a pretty good mark for me anyway. Um, yep. I like this. Um, like I say, it's got. Uh, um, you know, hops and Belgian yeastiness. Um, it's not a, a hopped Belgian style. It seems more like a Belgian or more more like a Belgian influence on an American style. Pretty yep. well balanced. I'm, I'm pretty pleased with this. I like this beer. Brewed by Cumbrian. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, you've now gone six and a half, seven, seven and a half. So I'm, I'm going to give you a nice fat eight for the next one. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I like that, but not as much as the infrared. I think sure. it seems to be a little bit too much, but not in a good way. Okay. Because I've, I've had a few double IPAs uh-huh. uh, in my time, and a lot of them are, or they can be very sweet. Sure. Uh, and all they can be very hoppy, and this seems to be a little bit of both, but not enough. Sure. Okay. Um, and you, you're dead right. You can't taste it. Eight percent. It's really easy drinking. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a bonus. Um, so I'm gonna give that a seven. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did you already? No, he skips me these things. No, we're just doing different order. Normally <laughs> Mixing it up. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, I think I'd like more hops in this one because at the end I'm getting too much sweetness and I want the bitterness of the hops to kind of overpower that. Because that the Belgian stuff that comes out at the end? Possibly. Kind of, yeah. Possibly. I didn't think it was as Belgian as other Belgian beers. Mm. Um, so I'm actually going to give this one... I do quite like it. I'm going to give it a seven and raise the infrared to a seven and a half. Mm. Okay. Because I do prefer the infrared. Awesome. Yeah, we do say you can change the scores as and when. Uh, okay, so that was our third hard knot beer. Uh, when you come back, we're going to have a final hard knot beer. No prizes for guessing. Okay, we'll see you soon. We won't actually see you soon. Well, unless you want to come round. Hello. And welcome to the And welcome cast. back. This <laughs> is our final Hardlock beer. Blair, this is your final beer on the beer cast for a while. Hoping you'll come back with a, a bucket load of American beers. Me for us. too. Uh, what's your favourite style of beer, Blair? Oh, my favourite style of beer is a barley wine. This is Hardlock's barley wine. Fantastic. It's called Granite. This is the 2009 one. They do this every year, but I don't believe the 2010 is out yet. Okay. Limited edition. It's bottle number 352 out of 504. And I, I've never had this. I hope it's nice. <laughs> You've not had any of them? No. Nope. Mm-hmm. Nope, nope, nope. i got to um, admit I'm really excited right now. Good. I'll give you a little more because I'm sure I will. Yeah, yeah, you can have some. You're a good man. Uh, it's 10.4%. Limited, as I said, to 504 bottles. 
and it is a barley wine. So we'll There's talk in a minute. in there if anybody wants it. Blair, why do you like barley wine so much? Um, <clears throat> What's the attraction? After your earlier uh, dig about, you know, the possibility I might be an alcoholic, um, <laughs> this is going to sound even better, but um, I like being able to smell and taste alcohol in a beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, at the same time, I mean, I, I appreciate a beer like uh, the beers we've had before, you know, like the Quibold uh, that you couldn't tell it was 8%. Yeah, yeah. I totally. mean, I like the balance there. Yeah. But especially in a barley wine, I like that big sweetness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like being able to smell the alcohol, taste that it's, you know, 12 or 13%, you know, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the, especially the the, the bourbon age, the really sweet vanilla uh, oakiness. Um, I don't know, it just maybe is hitting a sweet tooth with me. So do you go out for session beers? That's not, and obviously session beer is a British concept, but yeah, that no. doesn't cross your mind when you're back in back in Delaware. Well, the problem was I came to Scotland and started drinking more. <laughs> uh, I, it's funny. I, I can, the weather. Just, just yeah. to fit in. Yeah. <laughs> I can actually remember, I don't remember the date, but uh, this one time I walked in the living room with my second beer one night and, and my wife said, you're going to have another beer. I mean, I, I mean I re- it, was, it wasn't like she was upset. It was just that, I had a this is unusual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, um, I'm not going to be able to go back and session uh, these kind of things. No, no, but, that's true. Is that is that because in the states you would just stick to the big hitters and have one or two a night? Well, uh, I guess to be honest, when I was when I started getting into craft brew in the states, uh, I mainly you know bought it an off license and came home. Mm-hmm. So um, the pub mentality is totally different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in addition to the fact that you. Basically, unless you live in the big city, um, you drive to the pub mm. um, or drive to the restaurant. So you're not out for a session. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've never been on a session in the States, but I'm looking forward to going back to the beach and going to uh, Dolphish Head's uh, brew pub for three days straight. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's much more. I think in the craft brew scene. I, I mean, I was just reading uh, Jay Wilson's blog, uh, his Beer Vanna, I mm-hmm. think, and he was talking about uh, doing a beer festival um, three days and not uh, and just barely getting tips or something like that. Really? <laughs> then that's something I can't even I, I can't fathom. I mean, that yeah. must be his commitment to not getting drunk, you know, and being responsible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, because I mean, three days or something like that, it's just going to do it to you. Mm-hmm. But. Um, yeah, it's much more of, I think, uh, a two or three beer kind of. Yeah, yeah. Country. Different mentality. Mm-hmm. Okay, we, we kept Blair talking for a couple of minutes when there's a barley wine in front. So you can mm-hmm. have a sniff and a taste. Shumbles, you were smelling that for ages. What's, what's the I was, trying, there? I was trying to figure out what the smell was. Yeah. And did you get anywhere near it? Well, it's alcohol. <laughs> okay. And barley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does smell very, um, yeah, grainy, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I, yeah, when Blair was describing the his being able to smell the alcohol, and you can certainly smell the alcohol in this. It's such a weird kind of alcohol smell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's, 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 it's barley. It's the that's why it's green. smoky. It's smoky. Okay, because barley wine doesn't have anything to do with barley, or well, it's the it's, it's the malt essentially. Yeah. We talked about the history of barley wines on a previous podcast, um, about how at the time when they were created in England, the, the fad was to drink French claret. But then England went to war with France, 
and drinking French wine you just could not do. So they had to invent a style of alcohol Indeed. for the English nobility that wasn't wine. So they invented, they brewed a barley wine. That's how that came about. Um, we're talking a couple hundred years ago, um, kind of Napoleonic era. Um, I've got three three sentences from people who've reviewed this on Rate Beer, three mm -hmm. little nuggets of information about I don't want to say them yet because they now I've read them well, I've read them before obviously because um, <laughs> you wrote them down your notes they've, they've, you know, they've so. clouded my judgement as to what I can get from this so we'll have a few more little musings and then we'll come back to that but it doesn't doesn't remind me of a typical I've had a few barley wines because uh, Craig we would go tasting mm -hmm. with is a, a big barley wine fan too mm -hmm. and he's saying yeah the alcohol and the sweetness it has one but not the other it's you can there's the booze in there definitely but it's not a sweet uh, no it's yeah. not sweet at all well it is but a different kind of sweetness it's not the lingering cloy yeah, sweetness yeah. that you kind of yeah. get. It's, it's really interesting. I cannot place, I mean, this nose is really hot, almost like grapey. Mm -hmm. um, really hot. So there's no barley in barley wine. No, there is barley in barley wine. Actually, no, it's Yeah, I was, I was completely wrong. There's no <laughs> wine in barley wine. No wine in barley wine. Oh, wow, though, that tastes. It's almost cheesy, isn't it? Yeah, it does say it would go well with the cheese. It would go great with the cheese, yeah. A nice Stilton, that'd be perfect. And, and or a dark chocolate. It's a bit of smoked sausage. Mm -hmm. It does need some food to go with it. This kind of beer, I think. I think I could totally have this beer with food. I think sipping it on its own, I think it's just yeah. a bit overpowering for me. Yeah. Smoked sausage, yeah, absolutely. It really reminds me of uh, like a Schlenkerle, like a Rauch beer. Absolutely bang on. Well, I'll read you these comments now. Uh, someone said it's like a smoked Imperial Porter. Okay. Uh, like drinking a sweet ashtray. <laughs> Is that a good comment or a bad comment? <laughs> and someone else said they should have called it asphalt instead of granite. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. No, asphalt, that kind of the, the tarmac-y kind of oh, right. smoky kind of hotness. Uh, none of which you would associate with a traditional barley no, wine, but then, uh -huh. white, you know, we all know styles are meant to be blurred, boundaries are meant to be pushed, etc. Et Envelopes. Beer is meant to be drunk. Indeed. But critically, would you do you like it? Would you drink it? Um, I'm not disliking it, but I'm not overly liking it. Um, it's just a style that's too strong for me. I as I said, I think if I had this with food, then yeah. I would be happier I think as a, as a beer for me on its own it's just too overpowering and I need something else with it we've got a biscuit if you want it you want a, a border milk chocolate Viennese which I, I think it's meant to have to go with um, dark chocolate but I'm all for experimentation can I chocolate. can lick it <laughs> please do and then the biscuit <laughs> so, I, you know <clears throat> I'm thinking a couple things with this um which I just read a blog article the other day, and since I don't know these guys, I don't remember their names, but they were just talking about the idea of styles mm -hmm. um, and how you know Michael Jackson did so much for styles, but you know we've gone ahead and almost solidified these categories and said now in order to be the style it has to be this kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So I'm aware of my idea that you know. Belgian style double IPA. Well, Belgians don't use fresh hops, you know, and, and that, you know, so I'm aware of the fact that, and I'm less emphatic about the fact that I don't want hops in my, you know, in Belgians to mix. Mm -hmm. But something like this, 
I mean, Belgium or what? I mean, you guys did the history of. I was just on the impression that a barley wine was, um, you know, a high alcohol beer. Um, it wasn't really a style. It wasn't much different mm. necessarily. That, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, but we've talked. Have we talked? Maybe uh, uh, it's been another group of friends I've talked about with. At least the difference between porter and stout with the history, whether or not it's right or not anymore, it tends to be if the name sounds good, we'll call it porter instead of stout. Because, I mean, what's the real difference? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think that this, I would I would sooner label as a porter or stout uh, uh, than a barley wine. I mean, it, it's not that sweet, um, which is almost a key factor, I think, in a barley wine. Mm-hmm. So do you think if you were given this as a glass of beer, you would... I'd you call would... it a stout. What, an imperial style? Probably, um, maybe, yeah, I'd probably call it like uh, an imperial smoke style or something like that, or, yeah, or you know, imperial style or smoked porter or something mm-hmm. like that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, because it has that, it doesn't have the coffee, but then the smokiness, yeah, it's yeah. really evident, yeah. And, and I wasn't finding the sweetness uh, initially until my, my second or third drink when I, my mouth kind of got acclimatized to the smokiness, mm-hmm. then I was finding it. So it's not, I mean, it's still there, which I would say makes an interesting kind of twist on a, you know, Imperial stout or smoked porter, you know, with a little bit of sweetness in the back, background. Yeah, yeah. How does it pair with a, a Viennese biscuit? Uh, milk chocolate Viennese biscuit um, by the Border Company. It doesn't pair at all with. <laughs> and, and to be fair to them, it does say cheese or dark chocolate. And yeah. milk chocolate is just not going to cut it. So unless you've got cheese and dark chocolate, I'm not going to be happy. I think it'll have to be Philadelphia. And, uh, I don't think that's going to cut it either. <laughs> it's a bit too light. I would love that would be great with, a, as we were saying, a nice Stilton. That would be really, really nice. Because it tastes kind of like a nice still, so I can see why that would go really well. Mm. All those um, little sausage-shaped cheeses you get in supermarkets that Frankfurt and things. Yeah, that didn't, mm. kind of, that didn't work on the radio. I was holding my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> about yay big. Yeah, about yay big. Yeah. Yeah. But the one-armed fisherman, the color fish this big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Biggest fish you ever caught. Okay, Blair. We're at 11 minutes, so uh, I'll give you the honour of your last for now. We always say au revoir, not goodbye, on the Bitcast. Uh, your final Bitcast score for Hard Knock Granite 2009. I was um, thinking eight before I tasted it. Oh, I'm sensing a butt's coming. Yeah, I wasn't really pleased with the, with the aroma. <coughs> I just thought, this is not a barley wine. Uh, and tasting it, thinking, this is not a barley wine. Then just getting past the idea, this is barley wine, and saying, what is this? Yep. Um, and... I'm really pleased with this, thinking about it like we're talking about, maybe a smoke porter or something like that. Um, and I could say a nine, I think. Hey. I really like this beer. Awesome. Wow. Uh, do you want to go back and amend any of your other scores? Uh, well, we've got nines. No, I think I'm fine. You're okay with mm-hmm. that? Right, awesome. Well, that's good. You finished on a high note. That's mm-hmm. good. I'm yeah, happy. It's a good beer. It, it certainly does not taste how I imagined um, looking at well the style but then you know we know styles aren't that accurate um it says actually on the bottle that the the heat from the copper drove the malt sugars to twice the concentration producing a burnt toffee flavor there's there's a bit of burntness in there but Mm -hmm. i don't know about toffee it it does taste really smoky Mm -hmm. um and you can taste the booze definitely what's it 10 and 4 so there's a lot of alcohol in there i'm gonna give that a seven and a half yeah I mean, if you put, I mean, so again, it comes in a 500ml bottle. I think that would finish me off. I think having one of those, certainly. And we talked about having yeah. the dark energy, one of those would be enough. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go that 7.5. It's good. It's really good. It's, it doesn't fit within the style, but then who cares about styles? 7.5. Yeah. 
<laughs> Who cares about styles? Uh, I'm going to give that one a seven. Um, probably I like that because it doesn't taste like a barley wine, as, as Blair said. So. Um, smokiness, alcoholiness, I just need some food to go with it. Ness. Seven. You know, the biscuit, that's what you need. I think, you know what, uh, we've already, you know, given our scores and whatnot, but the, the Schlenkerlas, the, the German uh, Rauch beers, you know, they've got like four or five of them anyway. Yep. And I really like them, um, but I can't drink a pint of them. They're really thin and heavy. And I think that this is, I think that the 10% makes a Rauch beer a lot more palatable. I mean, it's not just smoke like they tend to be. I mean, mm. there's a, there's a, the, in order to get that, that, 10% in order to have the, the, the sugars there uh, that balances that uh, smokiness out really well. That's I'm really a fan. Yeah, we, we had um, the Schlenkerler Rausch beer on the podcast a few years mm. ago and it was one of our funniest episodes because we had <laughs> Craig just, he gave it a zero. It was the first ever beer cast zero. <laughs> you just could not get on with the fact that it, you drink a beer and it tastes like smoky smoke bacon crisp. <laughs> yeah. just, just, I, I found no problem with that. Yeah, because once you get over it, it's, it's such a shock and you think oh, yeah, yeah. That, that is not right but once you get over it you think oh actually okay maybe that, there's a reason why it tastes like that yeah. but Craig's very much uh, I'm off yeah he's polar so he's like no zero <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah he just he could not take it uh, okay I'm just going to work out the scores uh, oh, it might be a close one it may, it may well be a close maybe one maybe the granite I think it may well be the granite granite or the infrared yeah drum roll please I'm still it's going to be a long drum roll I'm still working on that what was your uh, <laughs> a very slow, very slow drum roll? So, how, how was your score that rate beer there, uh, Blair? Uh, still working that out, but I'm looking at um, four, uh, around three eight, three nine ish. Okay, that's all right. Wow, out of five, <clears throat> it's been good. I mean, uh, well, one, I've been, I've been glad to try the infrared mm-hmm. in a batch that wasn't off and. Uh, I like vertical tastings. Um, oh, yes. Kind of gives you a, a picture of the brewery and a little bit of what they do. Yeah. It wasn't intended, but I mean, that's the way it kind of works out. Yeah. I mean, we could have had the um, infrared first, but because uh, usually we start with the lighter ones and mm-hmm. color and work up through the stouts, but mm-hmm. it's quite a, a weak, relatively weak stouts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that weak, relative weak stout, Dark Energy, came fourth on 60%, mm-hmm. which is not a bad score for a fourth place beer. Yeah. Uh, second place was uh, Cuboid on 72%. And then the second place beer was Infrared on 75%, which means Granite won. Mm-hmm. Seven, oh. 78. Wow. Which is a really good score. Yes. Uh, I don't think it's um, pushing the beer of the year show, but mm-hmm. uh, you never know. Get, get over 80 for that. Uh, Maybe even over 82 this year. Yeah, it's been a high scoring year. Uh, anyway, it's a great score. So thank you very much to um, to Blair. Thanks for having me. It's, it's been, been a pleasure. It's been a blast. Yeah. Uh, if you ever come back to these shows, we'll get you back on the Bitcast. And uh, well, I, I think I've got your uh, posting address. Maybe I'll just uh, send a little bit of Blair love your way to the Beercast. Oh, I'm oh, always, always up for the Blair love. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Although we, do, we we agreed not to talk about that. Pass so <laughs> over there. Uh, thank you very much to Shoals. That's all right. Uh, you can come on our blog, which is thebeercast.com. Uh, Blair. Just don't make a mess. Yes. <laughs> come and read our, read our website. All right. I know it's after nine, but come on. I do apologise, listeners, for the... Uh, juvenile. Juvenile behaviour. But that's the Beercast human. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at the Beercast. Uh, you can go on to iTunes. I'm sure Blair will be doing the minute he leaves the country. 
catching up on all his favourite beer casts. He's got 62 back I issues know. to listen to. I get my, when, I, when I finally subscribe, all of a sudden I get this list on iTunes. It's mm-hmm. huge. Thankfully it came up. We managed to fiddle that together. Okay. Yes, yeah, so that's... <laughs> <laughs> Start with the double oh, okay. Okay, okay. Stop fiddling to get it up. So that's what... No more 10% beer for shovels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not. So if you want to have 100 hours of beer cast pleasure, then you go onto the iTunes and find us. Uh, we'll be back in a few weeks with another beer cast. I think the southern chapter are doing a beer cast, but we'll tell you more about that lately. But uh, in the meantime, thank you and good night. Good night. Oh, pop, pop, pop. That happens every time. That happens every time. Yeah, you have to flinch. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>